game is so beautiful, you know. Come play. The page dynasty is the newest rage. Maybe you've played, maybe you've made a trade. Trade list, and now these fish are all up on ya. I mean, you won three ships, they wish they had your. So, this is it. You wanna learn the game. 101 pick when it hits, you feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy championship. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Owner's Manual. It's automatic D- dynasty. It, it's automatic owner's manual. It, it, it's automatic D- dynasty. It, it's automatic. <laughs> and here are your authors: Chris Allen and A- A- Adam Wildy. All right, everybody, and welcome back. I'm your host, Chris Allen, of the Dynasty Owners Manual Podcast. This is episode 16, and we're here with yet another great guest and Brandon Nickel. And Brandon, I know and we've seen some of your great work over at the Dynasty Happy Hour, but first we want to find out how you're doing this morning because I know it's fairly early for you out in Arizona. But, uh, again, how are you doing, and uh, what are we getting into today? I'm doing great, man. Anytime you can wake up and, and talk about Dynasty, that's better than going to work or, or anything in the real world. So I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Today we're going to be talking about Dynasty trades and trading strategy and more of a high-level uh, philosophical approach to how do you get into trades, how do you execute trades, and, and things of that nature. So I'm really excited to talk about it. Exactly. And I think for most owners, including myself, that is kind of the – I guess it's the you – know, it, it involves some – some art, some luck, and a little bit of skill in terms of understanding both the player value that you're trying to set up when it comes to making the trade, but also there's some savviness when it comes to having to work with the owners themselves trying to negotiate a trade. I know a lot of folks have different styles and different approaches to doing it, but that's why we brought you in here this morning was that we wanted to try and find out at least what your process might be in order to make a trade and how folks can kind of integrate that methodology into their own process. So uh, before we get into that, Adam, I know it's uh, it's almost noon for us, but how are you doing this morning, man? I'm doing awesome, man. I'm so excited for this episode. It's super weird to have the sun shining behind me. Definitely not used to that one. Yeah, I had to like close the shades and stuff like that in my office before before we got going because I wanted to make sure that the sun wasn't going to be in my eye. After a somewhat rough night, uh, I wanted to make sure that I'm, I'm pumped and I'm at 100%, or at least as close to 100% as I could be. So let's get into it, though. So, Brandon, I mean, we're getting into... I guess we just had the Hall of Fame game this past week. I know everybody is psyched for the season to get going. So as we start looking at our dynasty, like our starting rosters, and we want to try and identify players that we might want to move, let's let's talk about let's talk about some trades. I mean, do you find yourself when it comes to making trades, do you target the owner themselves or specific players when you go to initiate a trade? That's a great question. Typically, I'll target certain owners versus players because I know just from talking to people throughout my leagues, I, I try to do the best I can to understand what each owner's preferences are, how they feel about their own team, how they're looking to get better. And and I use that information more so than a player that I want to facilitate my trades. So I, I would say I target specific owners and try to find a way to make a deal happen with them that allows us both to profit. 
Yeah, so that kind of reminds me of, like, if I wanted to go after Dalvin Cook, he's somebody that I really like. But I know an owner for sure doesn't value running back just from talking in our different conversations. I'm not that different on Kareem Hunt as I am Dalvin Cook. So if an owner I know doesn't value the running back position has Kareem Hunt, I'm far more likely to go target Kareem Hunt with the owner that I think that I could probably get a much better deal for. Um, and that's why tiers are so essential. So if I've got three guys in the same tier, I can actually kind of compare those owners and say, I could probably get a much better deal from this guy than that guy. So let me start here. And both of those points actually make sense. And this is kind of a question to, to you guys. When it comes to even before you even uh, go to the, the owner with the trade, is there a personal assessment is there a roster assessment that you do on your own to say that these are the players that i need to move off of my team uh referencing a past conversation or past episode we spoke to kevin o'brien a couple weeks back it was a all right we need or we have a certain set of players and we can group them into different buckets and different types of you know funds and the analogy that he used was a 401k do you guys use a similar process for saying that these are players that I want to try and move? Like if I have somebody that's a bit more, you know, a, a bit older, do we have a player that has a bit higher ceiling and things of that nature that would say that, okay, well, these are the players that I want to move. Do you guys have a similar process for looking at your rosters that way? I would say no, I don't, because I go more about what is what does my team need. If I'm trying to win a championship, I'm identifying what players can I buy for a little bit cheaper. Like, for example, uh, Michael Crabtree, I think, is a great win-now player that you can have for way cheaper than what he'll actually produce on the field. So if, I, if I'm trying to win a championship, I, I look at who's going to help me do that. And if I'm not maybe quite ready, I'll, I'll say what players are going to be worth more 12 months from today than they are right now and and why is that so i might target a player like joe mixon who i think is going to have an improved season and then his value is going to skyrocket so things like that so i'm i mainly base my targets off of how my team is and how it's built and if it's ready to win or not i've been waiting for an episode to kind of bring this up where it fit and i'd take it from a the opposite end as brandon so he's looking at production i would look at value and I like to create a list for every one of my teams where I go through my team and say, who do I value less than the market right now? Who do I think is going to produce less than what I can get for them? And I just keep a little list. This doesn't mean that I dislike the player at all. It just means that I think I can get more on the market than what I think it's going to be worth in a year, like Brandon alluded to. So I take those players, maybe a list of three, four players that are kind of expendable to me and say, let me go ahead and move these players for uh, whatever I can get for them now because in a year I don't see it for them. So after I make those lists, I can take those two to three players and either update my trade bait or go to owners that I think might have that need or that in past talks have valued that player, and then that's how I go about assessing my roster. It sounds like the way that you just described that, Adam, it sounds like you almost need a notebook like a certain friend of ours that was a past guest that we had on the show with having all those notes and whatnot. So it seems like from a process standpoint, there is quite a bit of uh, information, let's say, uh, information and variables that you would have to take into account prior to making a trade. So let's get... So let's take it to the next step then. So you have all the information that you that you need going into the trade. 
you have the player that you want. You have a, an assessment of your roster that you say, okay, well, these are this is what I need on for like for my team if I'm going to push for a championship right now. So once you have all that information, how do you start that conversation? I mean, I know a number of folks that. I mean, I get trade offers in my in my inbox all the time without even having updated my trade bait or spoken to the spoken to the owner, things of that nature. So, is that a way that you guys go about doing it? Do you just send cold offers? Do you try and talk with them first by saying that, for instance, shooting a text or a vox or things of that nature? You know, how do you feel about X player? Like, what do you think about Michael Crabtree? What do you think about John Brown? Like coming into this season, players like that. Do you do it that way? Or do you just straight up ask somebody, like, hey, do you need a running back? Do you want a wide receiver? All of those ways I've seen and or heard of people doing that in order to initiate a trade. But, Brandon, what's your you know, what's your methodology when it comes to initiating the trade? This is an awesome topic, Chris, because most people, I think, approach trades in two ways. Number one, they send that offer that you're talking about. They just kind of pile together a blind offer and they send it. And Or the other way is that they, they send you a message that says something in the lines of, hey, what do you want for player X? You know, what do you want for Zeke? And then that conversation usually ends by the other person saying, I don't know. What are you offering? Right. And then it's just a constant circle that never ends up in a trade actually happening. So the way that I like to begin a trade talk, and I think this is the most highly effective way to do it, is I don't assume that they need anything in particular. So you may be looking at a team who has JHI as their RB1. So you might say, wow, you're your running backs are really awful. Here's a running back to help you better. But they might not think that, right? Their perception of their team could be different than what yours is, right? They might be perfectly fine with JHI as their RB1, and they're actually looking for a better QB2, right? But you don't know that unless you ask. So I think the best way to start trade offers is saying, hey, Chris, how are you looking to make your team better? Just an open-ended question, you know, how are you looking to make your team better? And then you're going to give me everything that I need to know to help us make a trade happen. But I, you should start that way. That way you know where they're coming from before you start trying to make a deal happen. Because how, how can you? It, it makes it really difficult. Right. And I was just going to ask, so I love that method. I think that's the, I think it's the right way so that you got, you're starting almost on equal ground. And if I were to go back to the other examples... Do you think, or what do you see, or where do you see, rather, where do you see the deficiency in just sending somebody a cold trade offer? Like, what's the, what do you, what do you think is the issue with doing it that way? It's a lot like sending out a job application. Uh, you can go to a, a job website and just spam out applications to all these different employers. You have about a 2% chance that you're actually ever going to get a job doing that. And it's the same way with trade offers. You could blast out 50 random trade offers across all your leagues and you might get one or two, right? It's, it's just really inefficient. So that's the downside to approaching trades. I would say the lazy way uh, or the easy way versus engaging in a conversation. And that's what makes dynasty great is, is those conversations that we have with each other and, and learning about other people's pers perspectives. hundred percent agreed. And I think that that's one thing that folks don't really get a chance to do, even in redraft leagues. I think a lot of folks, especially with the amount of information that we get hit with on a daily basis, once the season gets underway, we don't really have that. There's not that much engagement between folks. You're just easily going through week to week and then you get an offer. 
once the season's over, now it's time for us to actually sit down, reassess our reassess our rosters, and I think then is the perfect time to actually engage with other folks and talk with other people and try and figure out how do you value this player? What is your outlook on this player? Team situation, injury, health. I mean, all, all of those types of things are things that I think that folks within the dynasty community should be doing on almost not necessarily on a daily basis but when it comes to trades that should be a general part of it so I, I would wholeheartedly advocate for that but adam now that we're talking about trades i mean what's your particular style i mean do you also uh, condone that type of that type of methodology when it comes to making trades or would you go about it maybe just talking about a specific player or something else I think I've been through every single method since my time in playing Dynasty, but Brandon's method is by far the best, and that's how I end up making friends with people like Brandon or Russ, who we're going to have on next week, or all the guests that we've had on that we've been in leagues with, because I just like having conversations with people, and when you have those conversations, you just keep mental note. Maybe I don't have an actual notebook like Leo does, but I keep mental note of who people like. I know Brandon likes mixing too bad. I'll never have them to trade to him, but... um you keep that mental note and then you know where to start the conversation at genius to say that you shouldn't assess someone's roster just because someone might be trying to go zero RB and they're really comfortable with their running backs and they're really happy with their wide receivers. And I've had times where I've said, maybe you you could use a running back. Why wouldn't you trade X player for this player? And that's just a really bad route to go down because they might be really happy with their roster structure already. And you just kind of, told them that it's not good and and then you just start on a bad foot you want to start on a positive note so it's way better to go into it saying hey what do you think that you need to get better well i have that for you i will never really send a cold offer unless i'm sending to numerous people just because i find it to be counterproductive It, it never really gets anything done because you have no idea you've got a very small percentage of them actually needing what you sent them so I, I'm pretty much right there with Brandon. I'm definitely going to try to contact them first and see what they're looking for, and then we'll start developing our trade from there. It absolutely makes sense. And I think that going forward, I would advocate for other dynasty owners to do that because, again, regardless of how you would assess your how you assess your own team or how you're going to assess trades and when you're making trades, I think that if you want to be able to start off from an equal ground, it's easier to just have that – to start the conversation off on a positive foot so that you can get information. They can also get some information and there's an exchange there that can happen. Whereas in the other examples that we just laid out, if you're just sending cold trade offers, you're just looking to see if something's going to stick and it may or may not. And if you send out a bunch of them, sure, you're going to get, you might get some acceptance, but at the same time, you're not able to get, I think that you're getting, it's a bonus when you go when you go the route that we've discussed here, because with the other routes, sure you might get a trade accepted, but what all, what other information are you able to get from the owner if you wind up having that conversation? Like Brandon just talked about, you can find out how they value that player. You can find out what their team needs are. You can find out what their general strategy is for their particular team. There are other bonuses that you get you can get just from having that conversation that you're just not going to get from turn uh, from just going through cold offer after cold offer after cold offer. So yeah, I think that's the best way to go about doing it. So Brandon, we just both hit on that 
you don't want to actually ask them or approach them and say, you need a running back. But I do assess the other person's roster myself and then try to kind of build the trade around that or lean in that direction when we start to build trade. It's happening behind the scenes, so I'm not telling them you need this running back. But like you said, we might be looking at it like you might not want to go into the year with Jay Jai as your running back one. So do you do any roster assessment of other teams prior to offering any trades, or even do you keep mental note of other teams throughout the season? I would say in the sense of window shopping. So I'll, I'll identify every asset on every team that I want to be on my team. And you can't get them all, obviously, but it's good to know in the back of your head. So when you start talking that offer finally, or they, they send you an offer, you can already kind of find a way to maneuver to get the player you really want. So I think this is a great point identifying someone's roster or assessing someone's roster when you're trying to get an add-on that you really like, but you're trying to kind of mask from the bigger part of the deal. So for example, if you're talking a a big trade about, you know, hey, I'm going to give you Keenan Allen, you're going to give me Leonard Fournette. And instead of always using picks, because picks are like cash, right? It's It's money to everybody. You might target a guy like Mike Williams or John Ross, who who you really like as a as a value player that's sitting on the end of their bench, and and you want that player on your team, so you try to work a way to you know, hey, if if, if you add Mike Williams, it'll get it'll get the deal done, kind of thing. So I, I think it's good to assess people's roster to kind of know what they have that you want, and that way when you're making trades, you can get in a nice little piece, and that's how you how you really dominate trades. I, I don't think the goal should ever to be rip someone off in a trade, but your goal should be to eventually two, three years down the road, you look back and you're like, wow, I made, I made a great decision. And, and the best part of the deal might be getting that Mike Williams player. Who's now a, a wide receiver one, you know, just because things change so quickly in the NFL. So I, I think assessing people's roster is good from that standpoint of knowing what they have. Right, and so now let's go ahead and like fast forward or just take the take the next step. So we've gone through how do you assess your own roster information that you need in order to find out where your where your particular team is deficient at, and then we went into how you go 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 ahead and initiate that particular trade. So now we get into the trade has been offered. There's an offer been sent, and it comes back rejected. So Brandon. You send somebody a trade, let's say, even in regardless of what methodology you go through. If you have a conversation with somebody, uh, if you go ahead and just if you cold call them and just send them an offer after looking at their particular roster, whichever method, you send them the offer and then you get the rejection email back. What's the next step? I mean, do you just go ahead and say, "All right, well, I guess I guess things didn't really work out." Uh, they didn't really value that player the way that I the particular thought that they did or they didn't like the package. What's your response, I guess, when you get those rejection notices? This is a great opportunity because this is a chance where most people would walk away and say, okay, you know, he loves that player. He's not going to trade him or, or assume that it's never going to happen. So I think the opportunity that you need to take advantage of when someone declines your offer is immediately DM them and say, hey, what were your thoughts on that? Because the pressure's off, right? There's no trade on the table. So they'll tell you exactly what they think about what you just offered. And and that's when you can get the information that you need to get that done. So do you, do you guys mind if I kind of, sh- you know, take it next level a little bit? No, no, go for it. Okay. So one thing I love to do that is, is really rare, 
in Dynasty, but it is is amazing, is this is the time where I start selling other people's players. So what I mean by that is I send a trade offer because I want Joe Mixon off of Adam's team, but he doesn't like what I'm offering. And he says, you know, there's really nothing that you could put together that would get it done for me. And so I would ask, well, what would? You know, not necessarily for my team, but what? how are you looking to get better? What what kind of package would you sell Mixon for? And he goes, well, I, you know, I really love Deshaun Watson. So if I could find a way to, to get him in the Superflex League, then I, you know, I would, I would part ways with Mixon. Then I go to the Deshaun Watson owner and do what I got to do to get that deal done. And then I basically broker a three-way trade by selling other people's players. And it all starts with just asking hey, how can we make this happen? Because I might not be able to make that deal one for one, but by going out and getting what Adam needs, I can make the deal happen that way. And I've actually done that a number of times, and it works out really well when you just think about it. And you lead me into a perfect rant when we're talking counter offers because this is another one that I really hate that I want to get to before we get to the next question. It's – it's when you so you you want to sell Gronk and you've got Gronk on your roster, but you're comfortable with tight end. So you identify Gronk as a dispensable asset. So you go to let's say the Nick Chubb owner and you're like, hey, it looks like you've got plenty of running backs, you know. So you're really strong at running back, which I would never be against complimenting a team. That's definitely starting off on the right foot where, you know, we're telling you definitely do not go in and say, Hey, your running back suck. But if you can go in and compliment, like, man, you're really stacked at running back. Uh, what do you think about trading Nick Chubb for Gronk? And you're like, well, no, I'm not really looking to trade Nick Chubb for Gronk, but another package I would like to do is Traquan Smith plus for Gronk. It's like, okay, but I didn't want wide receiver and Traquan Smith is, you know, far less of an asset than Nick Chubb to me. So how does that help me? And a lot of people do what I do and have these dispensable assets that they think that they just want to get rid of. Man, there's a lot of Traquan Smith hype and camp. Let me go try to get rid of him because I just don't see it with him. So you're almost trying to pawn these players off on other people in your mind, but it's not what they're looking for. And that's going to kill a trade talk quick because Traquan Smith plus for Gronk could mean literally anything and it's just it's not worth the work at that point because if you're going to say Traquan Smith plus you would really flip it and it would be this good player plus Traquan Smith maybe even Nick Chubb plus Traquan Smith or something like that is is where you would want to lead with the primary asset so it really turns people off to the trade when you start with an asset that you obviously are just trying to get rid of in an offer that had nothing to do with that player. I, I feel like it happens all the time. These owners are saying player X plus. So when I use the term plus and I will all the time, it's more so for a trade. Like if I want to send Leonard Fournette for Dalvin Cook, I'll tell an owner, hey, I'll give you Leonard Fournette plus for Dalvin Cook. That's to tell them, hey, I value my player a little bit less than your player. I'll add a little bit on my end perfectly fine that's the correct usage but not the other way around not when you want to say hey i'll send you chris hogan plus for stefan diggs well now we're nowhere you know what i mean Mm -hmm. that's a good point adam i have found that there is a effective way to get if you want to get rid of a player like for example uh when the broncos cut cj anderson before the NFL draft, Devonta Booker was a name that started getting passed around on Twitter and stuff, and I owned him. 
And I was like, man, I, I, I want to sell. So instead of getting in in a whole bunch of conversations that would take a lot of time, I do think it's okay to do a non-targeted trade. So I said to myself, what would be fair value? I want a 2019 second round pick. So I sent to all 11 owners an individual trade offer, Devonta Booker for a 19 second. And in about 30 seconds, one person hit accept. And that's all it takes is one person. So I do recommend that if you have a player you just want to get rid of or sell quick because of the hype, uh, Trey Collins Smith's a good example, send that exact offer to all 11 league mates that you have because it only takes one to say yes. Totally fair. And I had the same deal yesterday when I wanted to sell off my Debbie cash in a league that the Debbie auction was about to start in. I just let everybody know that my Debbie cash is up for sale and uh, I just want one asset in return. So whoever sends me the best asset, that's who I'll send my money to. So that's definitely another way you can go about it as well. Now that brings up an interesting point, and I kind of want to I want to circle back to that real quick. So Brandon, you mentioned, I guess, in the the CJ Anderson example where you use Twitter, I guess, or just social media to your advantage, where you could see the the hype train rolling. Is that something that you would generally advocate for, like when it comes to events like that? So say again, if if some other uh, let's say injury news or the you know hype for a particular rookie start to happen is that something that you would say that the dynasty owners should pay attention to and try and leverage as as often as possible oh absolutely you see these types of opportunities everywhere so i i don't personally like josh gordon but if i did i would go out and try to acquire him right now because there's kind of a you know, a distaste in everyone's mouth with him walking away from camp. Or when the Tennessee Titans signed Deion Lewis, that created a great opportunity to go get Derrick Henry because a lot of people falsely think Deion Lewis is going to be the RB1. So I I absolutely take advantage of, of all those types of things in social media. So that that's one of my favorite things about Twitter is you can really gauge you know, reactions and how people are thinking a certain situation feels, and, and then you can exploit the market. Absolutely. So that, that that absolutely makes sense. So now rolling it back and taking a look at everything that we've discussed so far. So again, uh, roster assessment, like taking a look at your own personal roster and information that you can use, how you initiate a trade and the methodologies around that. But now once we've gotten into the trade rejections, now the, of course the other the other path that you can go down is putting together a counter offer. So counter offers, I guess, to me seem somewhat nebulous because if you already have received the rejection, what more can I do in order to try and change that person's mind? You already talked about instantly DMing that person and saying, hey, what didn't you like? Uh, I mean, does that really try and get you, you know, is the impetus there for you to continue to push the push the envelope, I guess, in order to make the trade happen? So do you try and look for a counter offer or try to put together a counter offer package? Or what do you do when it comes to, when it comes to counters? Yeah, so this happened just yesterday with me. I was trying to trade for a pick, which we're going to get into in depth later. Basically, if I'm send a send an offer cold, like we talked about earlier, if you you're going to send a cold offer, it's because you sent a lot of a lot of different owners player that you think is hyped up right now. You get a instant rejection. I have no problem going to that owner and saying, "Well, what do you value this player as?" or even sometimes I'll ask the question, well, what would you be comfortable selling him for? Because then I know what you'd be comfortable buying him for if we're, cause I'm a fair trade kind of guy. There's guys that are always trying to win the trade, which is fine, but I find it far more productive to be 
fair so that in the future trades get done way more smoothly. I've got guys that I can get trades done with in two minutes just because we know I'm not trying to get you. You're not trying to get me. I'll make your team better. You make my team better, especially what we talked about a few episodes ago when you have a rebuild team and a win now team. Super easy to just get those two trades done. I'll give you age or youth and you give me, you know, some older production. So I would just go ask them, what are you thinking here? What do you value Booker as? And then maybe they don't want to give you a 19 second because they're rebuilding, but they say, well, I'll give you Larry Fitzgerald. Oh my goodness. That's perfect. You know, to me, because if I can get a top five wide receiver this year, sure. You know, I didn't even ask for that because I didn't know that this person would give that. So that's where Brandon hit the nail on the head with make sure you get right back to them and DM them and ask them. Cause just cause they don't want to give you a 19 second doesn't mean they don't want to give you anything. Yeah, when countering trades, I think there's a really powerful sentence you can use. And and that sentence is, what would you need to get it done? Because you don't know how far how far off you are. Sometimes, you know, uh, a, a little bit of, of juice will get you over the top. If you throw in your next year's second, it'll get it done. But you just ask, what, what would it take to get it done? And I think that kind of triggers something in people's mind that makes them start finding a way it's like a puzzle right they want to solve that puzzle what would it take for me to say yes to this so instead of saying you know trying to start from scratch you just say what would it take to get it done and and then they start looking at ancillary pieces which i love to do my my one of my main philosophies in dynasty is to get as many core assets as possible right so i'll i'll sell my firsts right i'll sell all my my uh, rookie picks. I'll I'll do those things in order to get core dynasty assets that are going to help me help me win, or I could sell for a big time payout. So just ask what what would it take to get it done? We'd love to take a second and introduce our sponsor. Use promo code DynastyOM to receive twenty five percent off your four for four subscription when you sign up. That's D Y N A S T Y O M for 25% off. 444 has the most accurate ranking since 2012. They provide advanced tools and like Dynasty Owner's Manual, provide actionable content. Subscribers can look forward to custom rankings, cheat sheets, and top 200 based on their league setting. 444 has a draft analyzer to help you through draft season as well as league sync to import your roster. Are you a DFS player? Well, great news. 444 offers you a special plan with a lineup generator and data-driven content. Now, welcome back to the show. So, Brandon, we've gotten into the trade conversation at this point, so you've countered what does it take to get it done. Now, what kind of information are you typically using in trade discussion, whether it be ADP, trade calculator, rankings, production, projection, any of those? Oh, man. This is tough. You know, I know a lot of people live by ADP, you know, or, or calculator. I, I don't even know what ADP is. You know, I mean, I can give a best guess, but I I try to not pay attention to other people's rankings or website rankings because in the past, like when I was new in Dynasty, that's how I got burned the most. You know, Cordell Patterson, ADP used to be a top 10 Dynasty wide receiver, you know, and, and if you, if you held on to that and say, no, I need to get top 10 value in order to cash out with this guy, 
then you were never going to cash out. So I don't use any outside information anymore. I would say when I started, I, I was all about uh, ADP and, and rankings and, um, you know, expert projections. Uh, and I, I used to be really hung up on last year's stats too, right? Like I would say, no, this player was a wide receiver one this year. There's no way they're not going to be again, right? And, and that could hurt you as well. I I think the best information to use is, is just asking yourself a question of what's most likely to happen and 12 months from now, what is this going to look like? So for example, Antonio Brown is a consensus first round startup pick. I think, I think we'd all agree he's an amazing player and we would all probably take him. But 12 months from now, do you think Antonio Brown is worth more or less than he is today? Well, he's definitely a descending asset. That is a, yeah. definitely a great point. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I, if you know, you're trying to win a championship, I, you know, go get Antonio Brown. That's fine. But I would never use a first round startup pick building a new team around a player that's going to be worth less 12 months from now than he is today. Same with Julio, same with AJ Green. Those are great players and, and assets to have on your team, but I just wouldn't build my team around an asset that's going down every single day. That's a fantastic point because I just had a buddy that started his first dynasty startup yesterday and I had this conversation with him as well. He got Keenan at a very good price in the startup draft and I was very excited for him to get it. And then after he got Keenan, he wanted to trade him for Antonio Brown. He's a Steelers fan and he just wanted the the league to be fun, which I fully understand. And I have, I have no problem with the trade that he offered either. But the point I tried to make to a new dynasty owner was that when you're trying to trade a big asset like Keenan Allen, you want to trade for ascending assets, not descending assets. Because 12 months from now, Antonio Brown can only go down. He's continued to go down, even though his production's great. And I think he could play another five years. But that's not the point because not everybody else thinks that. And what everyone else in your league thinks is what actually matters. Who cares what you think? He's just going to stay on your roster if that's the case. So I would be looking to trade for ascending assets like Keenan Allen, who we already had. But I wouldn't be targeting guys like Julio and AJ if I had to pay an ascending asset. Now, like you said, I will trade future first or something like that to get guys like that to add to the roster. But I'm not going to make a lateral move over to one of those guys that's descending, especially not with a guy that's already ascending, someone that I think will definitely get higher. So ascending assets like Jarek McKinnon? (laughs) <laughs> Definitely not Jarek McKinnon. He'll be outside the top 70 ADP. We're going to have to talk about this after after the show. Chris, Chris uh, to, to your an initial question, though, I, I think especially with startup drafts, um, using ADP, you can kind of use it as like a guide, but I, I would not stick to it at all, especially in the early rounds. Because, for example, if, if you have 101 or 102 and you want to take Saquon Barkley, a lot of people will – give you crap about that right because how could you you know he's he's 107 but by the time your second round pick comes he's going to be gone so it's your Mm -hmm. only chance you know to get him and and Saquon Barkley talking about you know appreciating asset he's 21 years old so if he tore his ACL today well next year he's still going to be 22 years old and a stud player right but a lot of other players in the first round you could say well they tore their ACL well now they're 27 now they're 28 and yeah, they're still really good, but it's it's not helping, right? What if, what if Le'Veon Bell tore his ACL? What would that do to his stock, oh, right? Because he, he's not yeah. going to get a big deal. Uh, who knows where he ends up? So so there's some 
you got you always got to think about what's the worst case scenario. I know we always want to think about what's the best thing that could happen. Well, what's the worst thing that could happen? And there's always players that you can identify that are definitely descending no matter what because of age, no matter how good they do. I mean, if Antonio Brown puts up a 1,600-yard season this year with 10 CDs, he's still not going to go up in ADP. So that's just why I, I might not target him. And to the initial question, I'm a little bit opposite, Brandon. I just use everything as a puzzle and put it together to form my opinion because I understand that there are plenty of smart people that are putting together these things. ADP is the scariest because you don't know the people that were drafting to form that ADP. So definitely take that lightly. I mean, if someone's getting drafted later than 200 and another person's getting drafted at 60, probably a pretty good chance that those players have a huge gap between each other. But it's really tough to use ADP when you're talking somebody that's like 45 and another person's like 56. I mean, that doesn't mean you can't take the person 56 over the guy that's 45. So just using everything, the rankings, the ADP, trade calculators get a lot of crap, but I still think they're fun to use, at least after a trade. Sometimes I'll put it in just to kind of see what the trade calculator would have said. It just, it's not going to sway my opinion either way, but I think it's kind of cool. But we're going to take a little break real quick, and I wanted to get our FF statistics trivia question in there. So in case you haven't seen, I'm going to be a player. I'm going to tell you all about myself, and Brandon and Chris, you get to guess who I am. You guys ready to go? All right, I'm going to get one of these. I swear I am. All right. <laughs> I'm a, what am I, 3-0 and right now. All right, so last year I had 10 finishes over the average QB1. I finished the season as QB3 in my ADP, according to DLF last month in one QB leagues, is 211 as QB25. Who am I? How many, how many guesses do we get? As many as you want. We okay, can edit I, all the I, other ones out. Can I go first? I got yeah, an idea. Go ahead. Yeah. Alex Smith. Oh, my goodness. First try, no warm-ups. Let's wow. go. Hit it. <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. We didn't allot, we didn't allotted too much time for that. Good job, Brandon. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get back to talking startup drafts because I love that we just finished on that point. Startup drafts are – I trade so much in a startup draft. I think one that we just did recently, I traded 11 or 12 times. So how will you go about trading up in a startup draft or even trading down if you'd like, if you choose to do so? So I, I think personally, I try to get as many of the top picks as possible. And I do that by trading my later picks combined with my future year's rookie picks. So for example, pairing a, a, a fifth round pick with my first round 19 first and trying to get another second round pick because the players especially at the top far exceed the value of the I guess you could call it scraps or ancillary pieces that you're drafting later so getting a Keenan Allen at during the startup draft trading up well that fifth round pick let's say that was Rashad Penny right in a future first once that draft is over, it's an interesting dynamic because you can almost never get those trades again, right? Because then you would any would you trade Rashad Penny in a first for Keenan? Um, the Keenan owner would probably say no, you know. But in the startup draft, you can get those kinds of deals because the player isn't real yet. Once you attach a player's name to that pick, 
it immediately changes the value and the perception of, of that asset. So I, I try to do my best to get as many core assets as possible. And, and this can happen because most people like trading down. They think that's the, the best way to do it. Uh, and, and it can be right. If you, if you hit on those, those later picks, but you, you can get all kinds of deals by using your future firsts or rookie picks, second, even seconds and thirds, right. That, that can get a deal done and move you up into tiers. So moving into tiers, I think is critical because let's say your next pick is in six picks, but there's only two players on the board that you feel are a full tier above everyone else. And you don't want to miss out. I would give, you know, a second round rookie pick, which, you know, is more than likely statistically going to be nothing to move up and get one of those players that's in that tier above. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That makes a ton of sense. This is by far my favorite dynasty topic, trading and startups. I'll move back, forward, left, right. Um, I traded Wentz after I got him pretty late. I traded Wentz and Ingram, it ended up being, I think, in the fourth round, for Julio, Luck, Rivers, and Ertz. No way on earth I could get that trade done. I couldn't offer that to anyone right now, but there were no names associated except for Wentz at that point. The owner really wanted Wentz, so I was able to give him Wentz and I think my fourth, and I got Julio, Luck, Rivers, and Ertz out of it. That's not to say he was wrong. There were just no names attached to it yet. Those players fell down to me, but... Another thing is you get more information in the startup draft than you will ever get in that league again. Because, for example, Devonta Freeman fell to the mid-fifth in a league. I wasn't able to trade up to the mid-fifth, though I tried to. But that told me that my whole league doesn't value Devonta Freeman as much as I value Devonta Freeman. So I tried to trade up a little bit for him, but I wasn't going to give much. No owner's bit. I said, that's fine. If they let him fall to the fifth, the owner doesn't care much about Devonta Freeman. So as soon as we we got a little bit later in the draft and things settled down, I went to the Devonta Freeman owner already knowing because his hand was exposed that they don't value him much and they just took best player available at that point. And I sent my future first and some other stuff, got Devonta Freeman and still got to make all my picks. So that's another thing you can do is just identify a lot of information in the startup draft. The next thing I want to talk to you about is rookie drafts. Does your strategy change at all, Brandon, when you're talking rookie draft rather than startup? Oh, yeah, big big time. Uh, with rookie drafts, I only probably identify maybe five or six players in each draft that I think are going to be significant and that's what it ends up turning out to be, right? There's only a few players from each rookie class, if you look historically, that really make an impact in fantasy. But they all have value, right? Every Naheem Hines, Tracon Smith, uh, Kalen Balaj pick has value because they haven't played yet, right? So their potential is is endless in, in most people's eyes. But I usually try to identify who are the few players that I believe or I know are going to be big-time NFL players and make a difference for fantasy. And I'll do whatever I have to do as far as packaging picks to go get one of those players. So instead of accumulating picks and trying to get as many uh, dart throws as possible, that's one way to do it. And I've seen that work where you just accumulate, you know, 12, 13 picks. And just by, you know, the law of numbers, you're going to, you're going to get right on one or two of them. 
I do my best to do a ton of scouting and watching a lot of college tape of players and, and saying whose game's going to translate to the NFL. And I get as many of those players as possible, which I think is, is different too, because a lot of people, uh, they diversify the rookie picks, right? So if you're in 10 dynasty leagues and you have 102 in all of them, you might go Geis in this league, you might go Penny in that league, you might go Chubb in that league because you want to diversify because you, you don't want to miss out, right, or be wrong. Uh, I, I take kind of an opposite approach where if I like a player, like Alvin Kamara was was my kind of guy last year that I would have taken 102, which was kind of crazy because he was a you know a 107, 108 player. I would take him in every single league and just believe in my convictions that I was going to be right. And sometimes that'll burn you because you'll own a player in six leagues and you were wrong, but that's how you learn in, in Dynasty. But I guess, uh, so real quick, knowing that, and I think we've discussed some of those characteristics before, like if you go through the go through the rigors of evaluating a player, plant your flag in that player and, and pick them up. I, I would wholeheartedly understand folks that would want to diversify because, yes, we can be wrong, but if you've put in the time and you believe in that player, I mean, let's have some fun with it, folks, and let's try and win. So if you think that that player translates well to the NFL, pick them up, sash them on their roster, and then if it hits, you're, you're now really in the money. So now that we've discussed that, or now that you've indicated that that's your method, uh, it, uh, can you give us maybe one or two players that were, uh, were you're high on for this year? <laughs> well, I, I have Saquon Barkley in many leagues, obviously. You know, that that's too easy to call. But um, Darius Geis, absolutely. I have Darius Geis in Did Adam most leagues. Did say that? The, <laughs> actually, the one league I'm in with Adam, uh, he has Geis, and I would love to trade <laughs> for him, but he's unreasonable. So. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm just making sure. Uh, I tried another, to queue up the Christian Kirk. That's yeah, well, that's doing. that's the next player. I, was, I okay. own Christian Kirk in almost every league because I, I think he's going to be a, a big-time playmaker down the line. So th- those are kind of my flag players. I would say Geis and Christian Kirk I own almost everywhere. Okay. All right. So you mentioned players that translate to the NFL. Well, I love that you said that because there is definitely a game in college that translates well to the NFL, and that's what I refer to a lot with Garyon Johnson we really want flashy players like Royce Freeman a lot, but carry on Johnson was actually going to be the Redskins pick over Geis if they didn't get jumped by the lions in that draft. So luckily we got Darius Geis, but I like carry on Johnson a lot. And I think that his game is not flashy. He's not Royce Freeman. He's not Ronald Jones, which is why he's going after them. But you're talking about a guy in the late first that just gets the job done. He's really, that's the best way to explain it with carry on Johnson. He gets the job done. He gets the extra yards. He gets four yards when there's no yards. He's not getting 60 yards, 50 yards like Royce Freeman might get you, but he's the guy that's falling forward for the extra three, four. And that's who the Lions haven't had in a long time. So I'm really excited for carry on Johnson. And you just, you reminded me of him bringing, bringing up the guys that game translate well, but real quick, we're going to get into some practical application. That's what the show is all about. First, I wanted to share my experience yesterday in this rookie draft. So at 203, this is IDP, which it's kind of embarrassing to share this, but I'm going to, at 203, I'm contacting the owner for Anthony Miller. I, I think that that's too far for Anthony Miller to fall. Uh, I don't think I'd put him quite in the first yet, but 203 is a little bit late for him to fall. So I contact the owner. We're in trade talks going back and forth. I really want to send Cooper Cup. I'd almost 
send Cooper Cup for Anthony Miller straight up. I had this conversation with a lot of people. It seemed like a lot of my buddies were 50-50 on it. So I want a little extra on top because 203 is a little late to be trading Cooper Cup for. So I contact him. Well, in trade talks, he lets me know that he's probably going to take Edmonds there. Perfectly fine for him to do because he has the pick. So the ball's in his court. Now, I'm not going to tell him who I'm targeting. Don't tell the person that you're targeting X player because you might change their mind. So I'm trying to get him to trade for Cooper Cup. Well, he tells me he's going to take Edmonds. Now, I haven't done IDP in a while, so obviously I think Chase Edmonds. And we discussed earlier that we should not offend anybody in trade talks. So I'm thinking, my goodness, well, okay, Edmonds is far less asset than Cup. So you're going to get a huge steal here if you wanted to take Chase Edmonds and you got Cooper Cup and gave me a third, you know? So what I in turn did is he said, yeah, you're right. I probably shouldn't go Edmonds here. So he changes his mind and decides that he wants to go wide receiver right there. So he doesn't want to trade for Cooper Cup, but he does now want to trade for wide receiver. So later find out he was talking to Remain Edmonds and definitely could have, you know, taken him there and it would have been a great pick. I talked him out of his pick. I got so fortunate that he changed his mind last minute and took Gallup. So moral of the story, when you're talking these, these, trade discussions and and rookie drafts if somebody falls too far definitely go try to get him identify an asset on your team that you don't necessarily need i love cup but i don't necessarily need him so i can take that shot on uh on anthony miller and i did end up getting anthony miller later after he drafted Gallup. but that was just a fun story on how i kind of accidentally showed my hand and sort of sort of what not to do Next piece of practical application. This is going to be fun. I'm glad I get to sit this one out because I think me and Brandon would go back and forth for 20 minutes. So Chris and Brandon are going to get a trade done on the podcast today. We're going to try. I'm going to give you guys your team. You know, if you guys are listening at home, you got a pen and paper. That would be helpful. You've got three running backs, three wide receivers. And I just want to use practical application from what we talked about today, the resources, things like that, uh, for you guys to try to get this trade done. So Chris has Lamar Miller. Theo Riddick, Spencer Ware. At wide receiver, Chris has Juju Smith-Schuster, Keenan Allen, and Julio Jones. Solid. Brandon, you have Joe Mixon. You're welcome. You've got Dalvin Cook. And, sorry, you've got Deion Lewis. <laughs> at wide receiver, you've got Robert Woods, Kenny Stills, and Tyreek Hill. So go ahead. You guys are opening up your conversation, and you're going to try to get a trade done. Okay. I'll, I'll approach you. Chris. How you looking to make your team better, buddy? Uh, to be honest with you, I'm uh, so Brandon. So here's my here's my philosophy when it comes to putting together my team. As we discussed earlier, I like trying to bucketize, if that's even a word, but I like trying to put my players into buckets and try and like based off of where they're at in their career and also like what they can do for my team right now. So I'm looking at Julio Jones and great player, obviously wide receiver one type, wide receiver one type player getting a little bit older so i'd be looking to sell him at this point so i'm looking to get a little bit younger at wide receiver if at all possible so what what are you doing what are you looking at for your particular roster for my roster i'm, I'm pretty stacked at running back so i i really need to get a true wide receiver one somebody that's going to help me compete um i'm looking to win the championship this year so i need a player that can help me do it and actually julio jones might be you know, that guy who, who can score fantasy points and, and help me win a ship this year. So I, 
I'd be interested in talking about Julio. Okay. Take a look, take a look at my team real quick. Is, is there any players that stand out to you, uh, you know, somebody that, that you like? Um, I, but I, we've already discussed Joe Mixon. So, and also because, and we discussed before we even got on the, got on air. I'm I'm from Ohio, so while I do have a love hate relationship with the with the Bengals, uh, they do you know they do have a soft spot in my soft spot in my heart. So I'm looking at Mixon, but again, I wouldn't mind a, like at least a player a player in his range. So you've got Mixon and Cook. Uh, Regardless of the, the the injury concerns, what do you think about Jones for Cook straight up? Oof, you know that's kind of tough. You know, like, like Julio's going on thirty. Dalvin Cook is really really young. He's a hot player in Dynasty. You know, he's only in his second season. I would need some replacement if I'm giving you Dalvin Cook, feasibly my best running back. I would need something back, you know, to help replace that value. So, how about how about this? I'll make you an offer. I'll give you Dalvin Cook and Kenny Stills, you know, who's pretty decent. You know, the Dolphins got rid of uh, Jarvis Landry, so there's a lot of targets to go around, so he's definitely going to produce. I'll give you Dalvin Cook and Kenny Stills for Julio Jones and Lamar Miller, who, who I like. I think the Texans could be decent, and Dante Foreman is going to take time. So I, I think that's going to help me win a championship. That helps you get a little younger, uh, a little bit sexier. Uh, yeah, I think all around, I think that does that actually does sound like a fair trade. I mean, I do like Lamar Miller, but again, at, when we're looking at his particular team situation, I think the Texans. I mean, it's going to be a, they have a dynamite roster in front of them. But in terms of his this year's production, I think he'll be fine for this year. But I'm not sure what they're going to do after after this after this upcoming season with Dante Foreman, assuming he comes back from the Achilles over the next year or so. I think that's a fair trade all around. I'd be willing to do that deal if, if we're being honest right now. Fantastic. That's awesome. That's awesome. Good job, guys. Looks like you got a trade done. That is almost exactly the trade that I thought was going to go down except for I was thinking Brandon was going to offer that trade and I was going to counter with Robert Woods and Dalvin Cook for Lamar Miller and and Julio. So you could have tried that if you would have stayed pat, then maybe you still stuck with your Kenny Stills. But all around, that was a great job, guys. So getting back to, uh, I want to try and at least walk us through like everything we've kind of discussed today, like for everybody oh, that's yeah. listening. So we've gone through assessing your assessing your roster and information that you need, looking at the owners in your particular league as well, understanding or at least trying to get a feel for what they value, especially in terms of their strategy for building their team, whether they like going zero RB, how they feel about particular players, and so on. We've also discussed methodologies. Do you go and like try and just cold call a number of owners, depending on the hype that might be surrounding them in training camp, things that you've seen on Twitter? Hell, once the preseason games start coming on, you don't know how many offers folks are going to be sending back and forth once their particular player makes some sort of highlight reel catch or makes a huge play. So that's something else that Dynasty owners should be looking out for, should pay atten- attention to over the next couple of weeks. But if you get that trade rejection once you've made an offer... How do you go about doing that? We discussed counter offers and the ways that you can go about countering or making sure that you know what else does it, what else do you need in order to get that trade done? I think that's exactly what Brandon discussed earlier when you go to talk to an owner after the after you get the rejection, and then finally we di- uh, we discussed talking about uh, you know trading within rookie or rookie startups, or, uh, rookie drafts, and also startup drafts, and then finally the practical application that we've done this evening uh, uh, we've done tonight wanted to say this evening because we always do it in the, in the evening time. But 
through all that, Brandon, if there's anything else that you would want to impart on the folks that are listening uh, listening today, I mean, is there any other piece of information that you want to you want to give folks before we get you out of here? I would just reiterate something I said earlier. Uh, I would highly recommend that go out and try selling other people's players. Uh, it's one of the most fun things to do. Uh, go to go to teams and see what they're looking for, and see if you can go acquire that and make a profit. I'll, I'll just share with you guys a, a really quick trade that I was able to do that that was really cool uh, using this. So this was actually in the Dynasty Happy Hour League that we have all of our staff. I had Matt Stafford. And I received an offer from an owner of two first-round picks and Sam Darnold for Stafford, which is fair value, but I didn't want to do it because it's a super flex league, and I I thought I was going to compete, and I just didn't think, you know, the first-round picks aren't scoring any points this year, and and I don't think Darnold's going to, you know, do great as a rookie. I'm not a Jets fan at all. So I instead took uh, – that those assets i took darnold and two first and i went to an owner who had carson wentz and i said hey just theoretically would you take sam darnold and two first round picks for carson wentz and and he had a team that really wasn't ready to compete so i thought he might be more interested in those future assets and he said yeah absolutely i would take that deal so i went and got that done i trade stafford for darnold and two first and immediately trade darnold and two first for carson wentz so essentially i traded matt stafford for carson wentz which is impossible but by selling someone else's uh team i was able to get that done well, that's amazing and i'm hoping that other folks can use that methodology or at least uh something like that in order to get deals done like for themselves and i would say that uh, before i kick it back to adam i would say that throughout this entire conversation the one thing that i do seem to hear to be the, a similar theme across all the things that we've discussed is communication talking with other uh, talking with the other owners in your league don't just sit there and expect that these cold offers or things of that nature are always going to work. Sure, they might, as Brand, both Brandon and Adam uh, denoted earlier, was that, sure, you can throw out a bunch of offers and you know, a couple of them might come back. But the most information or the most valuable information that you're going to be able to get is by actually talking with the other people in your league, talking with the other owners to find out how they value a player, what their strategy is for building their team. And that's what's going to get you those deals. If not, if not today, but definitely down the line. So Adam, what else we got going on for the folks today? Yeah, that's a great point. And if your league doesn't already have a chat method, the first thing you need to go do right now is start one. You don't have to be the commissioner to start one. You know, we're doing this for fun. You want to win money, but be friends with your league mates and figure out who they like and who you don't like. And maybe they have someone that you like on your your roster. But yeah, so we've got the t-shirts coming up. We've got the design. We picked the design. You know, everybody helped contribute there and help pick a pick the logo that they liked and pick the color they like. So we've got the contest going up on the, the site right now on, t- on Twitter. So definitely get in on that contest. It's going to be, you have to retweet the tweet and tell us who Des Bryant's going to play for next year. And if you pick who Des Bryant's going to play for correctly and you were following and you retweeted free shirt for you. So great job. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Dynasty Manual. You can follow me at DHH underscore Adam. You can subscribe to our YouTube feed at Dynasty Pregame. And um, also hit us up on uh, iTunes with a rate and review. We greatly appreciate those. Thanks, guys. Most definitely. And Brandon, where can they find you out on Twitter, man? 
uh, I'm at Dynasty underscore Scout. Dynasty Scout. There we go. All right, and I am your host, Chris Allen. You can find me on Twitter at Chris Allen FFWX. So we thank everybody for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Dynasty Owner's Manual. It's automatic. Dynasty. It's automatic. Owner's Manual. It's automatic. Dynasty. It's automatic.